If you're ready to take action to create the life and business you want and be surrounded by courageous, like-minded warriors, entrepreneurs, creatives, and professional freelancers supporting each other and feeling the fear and doing it anyway, I invite you to join my free online community, Momentum Warriors. Just head over to www.momentumwarriors.com now. You're listening to Transitions Podcast. Learn how to make money doing what you love, become more confident, create a positive impact, and have the lifestyle that you want with marketing consultant and small business advisor, Anthony Chansamuth. Okay, welcome to Transitions Podcast. This is Anthony Chansamuth, and I am inviting you to meet a good friend of mine. Her name is Hilda. And uh, we're going to have a good chat in a second about who Hilda is and, and what she's all about. But before we get to our special, special guest, Hilda, we're going to talk to another special guest I have on, on this show right now, and that's Jenny, Coach Jenny, to be precise. Uh, her name is Jenny Mustafa Julok, and I hope I've said that right. Pretty darn close, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny's known as the Audacity Coach, and that says a lot about what she does, I hope. But we're going to dig deeper into the world of Coach Jenny right now. So Jenny, welcome. Where are you in the world right now? Because I know you moved recently. I did. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Beautiful. Okay. So let me just do a quick bio-ish type description of of what you do. So I'm just going to give my spin on what you do. So okay, bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so Jenny specializes in helping ambitious, and I love this word, badasses who are on the brink of something spectacular, figure out how to make that happen. And I'm, I think that sort of encapsulates what you do. And what I like is what you call the cathartic push or the shove. And that's really all about you know when we as individuals, as, as people trying to pursue goals and dreams and ventures. Uh, when, when we go through that journey, and it, it, of course, also be, you know, in our life with relationships and um, trying to grow and trying to be a good person or whatever it may be, we inevitably come up against our own self-sabotage. Uh, we also come up against blocks. And I think, you know, based on what I know of Jenny and, and the experience I've seen in her amazing group and her community is what you do really fantastically is you help people work through their shit. <laughs> in a nutshell. In a nutshell. And so let's let's give a bit of a background as to how did this come to be? In a two minute, this is my life. <laughs> Here's your challenge. Down. How, how, I like it. Right. How do you how do you do how do you explain how you arrived at this place where you do this for other people? It's a really good question. So I grew up struggling. I was kind of a poor kid and I was the first one in my family to go to college, first one to go to grad school, first one to, you know, do all the things you're supposed to do to be that kid in the family. And so my dreams were all about being important and being impressive to my family. So I did everything you're supposed to. I followed all the rules. I did everything right. Uh, I was kind of a nerdy kid and I, I did well in school. And then I became a uh, government person. I worked for the universe for the U.S. government, and then I became a fancy pants organizational development consultant. I worked at the Pentagon. I was hot shit, and I was miserable. I was absolutely freaking miserable. When I turned thirty, I remember thinking, "I don't know what I want to do or who I want to be, but I know it ain't this." And that was a really jarring, horrible experience because I had followed all the rules. I had done it right. And my life kind of sucked. And I wanted to suck less. <laughs> so I decided to do something about it. I realized that there were a lot of other people in my shoes. And I wanted to utilize coaching methodology, which I had learned about in grad school. But I thought, you know, coaches, those are people after they've had complete careers then they retire, then they become coaches. So I figured I'll be a coach in my 60s, right? But no, here I was 30 years old and I said, screw it. There's enough people going through the same angst of, I don't know what I want to be, but I know it ain't this. And that's where the audacity coaching was born because I had the audacity to say this wasn't good enough. 
And I didn't know what was next, but I'd figure it out. And after years of helping people with that, slowly but surely, what I've done has evolved. The problems I solve have evolved as I have evolved. And so now I help somebody who's on, like you said, on the brink of something spectacular, but they're standing in their own way and they don't know how to move out of the freaking way so that they can tap into that potential. That's the next level of audacity. And that's what I do today. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to rewind you back to the starting, the origin story. And 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 for me, what I like exploring with my guests is, you know, you didn't just wake up and all of a sudden became become the audacity coach maybe you did but but i think as a child you talked about you know this um, requirement or or at least a a need to you know uh, do well at school with your grades and be the the model you know poster child if you will were you alone in that journey or did you have siblings what was the what were also what what were the backgrounds of your parents? Were they, you know, professionals? You know, mid, like, what was that looking like back then? Sure, really great questions. My father was a steel worker. My mother divorced my father when I was really young, and she worked at a retail store. Neither my father had a high school diploma. My mother did not, so they were very undereducated. You know, my dad was just kind of the blue collar guy. He didn't understand the word career. <laughs> he believed a career was for yuppies, and uh, you just get a job and you go work there. They give you a paycheck, and you're supposed to hate your job. <laughs> like that was that was what he believed. After my folks split, we lived with my mom, and I grew up in a trailer park. I grew up. We used to make the bad joke that we grew up po. We couldn't even afford the are and poor. We were, we were just dirt poor. And I didn't want my life to be that way. I wanted more and which made me selfish and made me kind of the black sheep of the family because everybody else was perfectly happy in squalor. At which point, Jenny, did you realize that, you know, people might, it's like you said, you know, po or whether, how you said that. Um, <laughs> but at which point did you actually feel like that was true? Or did you have a sense in yourself that that was never true? You know, one of the reasons I became a coach is because I had somebody outside of me point out that I had more potential. I was one of those kids that was very lucky. Here in the States, we have a program called Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. And what that program is, is volunteers who are adult volunteers who volunteer to mentor a little sister or a little brother. So I had a big sister in that program, right? So this volunteer decided to invest time in me and meet with me once a week for a couple of hours. We'd go out for ice cream or whatever. Her name is Debbie and she's incredibly important to me. She walked me down the aisle at my wedding. Okay. Uh, Debbie pointed out and exposed me to more of the world. And that's where it came from. It really came from having one person decide to coach me out of my own way and show me that I had more potential than I knew what to do with. And I could be anything I wanted to. That's why I got into coaching because I want to pay that forward. That's so relevant and so beautiful. Thank you. Just to have, like, I just connecting to, wow, like what that would have been like for Debbie to be walking you down the aisle, you know, and, and like, that's just so, uh, that speaks to the power of having someone in your world that can be that for you and for you to be that for them. And I think, you know, us as humans, we, from being little kids, you know, and babies, we want to be connected. We want to be validated. We want to feel like we mean something, right? right. Um, and that what we do, our lives are that. And I, I think, you know, you sharing that is so pivotable, pivot, pivotal to where you are now and the journey you've been on. And I just wanted to, to, to demonstrate, I guess, to the listen to everyone listening to this right now is like, you know, for a lot of my years, I spent running away from who I really was. You know, like I don't I didn't explain this to, 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 to you, Jenny, when I was over there in New York and we actually did, did our workshop together at that time. But that was for me uh, was actually a journey of letting go of an identity that I was holding on to mm. and, you know, and, and letting go of a lot of who I should be based on everyone else's, you know, voices versus listening to what's actually going on inside me. And also learning from you that there's this person, we'll call it a person, that exists <laughs> inside ourselves, you call this person Hilda, and working out when is it that that 
Hilda speaking or is it when is it, you know, when is that voice speaking and when is there another voice that's speaking that's probably more better to listen to? So ideal segue here. I mean, let's talk about who's Hilda <laughs> and how did you, when did you first realize Hilda existed for you? Okay, so Hilda is the name I give for that irksome inner naysayer who lives in the back of your brain, who's constantly telling you, you suck, who's constantly putting you down and making you feel really bad. I discovered Hilda, I mean, let's be real, she's been with me since birth. I've had a voice in my brain putting me down and critiquing everything I do. But I really recognized that it was a second party a nonsensical cartoon in my brain, if you will, um, while I was coaching. About seven years ago, I was coaching one of my clients and I was noticing a pattern. Many of my clients were talking about the inner critic and the inner saboteur and their lizard brain and their gremlin, their inner gremlin. And all of these creatures and monsters or fancy highfalutin titles. And I was talking to this one particular client. I could see that because there were all of these weird references, it wasn't working or resonating with her. She was struggling with it, but she was really suffering from some imposter syndrome, which is a legit thing, right? We needed a word for it. We needed a name for it. And I do not know where the word Hilda came from, but that's the first one that popped into my brain. Apologies to anybody named Hilda out there. And I decided, what if we called her a ridiculous name? Let's go with Hilda. Now, can we do something about all of this negative nonsense she's putting in our brains now that we can attribute it to some fantasy character that we've given a silly name to? So let's, um, I'm going to read, a piece that's out of your new book, which just grabbed me the, the second I, I went through this as I was reading it on a train. So it starts by saying self-sabotage is real. Let's say you've decided to start something spectacular. Brilliant! But almost immediately afterwards, you proclaim, I am going to insert your goal here, whatever that it may be, right? So for me, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to write, an, I'm also going to write a book. And mm-hmm. then you start hearing her voice. You're dreaming far too big for someone like you. You know you're going to fail. Why even try? They will find out you're a phony, you know. This could never happen for you. People are going to laugh at you. Why can't you just be grateful? That's a really, really bad plan. You shouldn't have said that. Who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You don't want to. You don't know. You shouldn't. You won't. You can't. You suck. I know it ain't just me. And I think that right there is... Wow, you've just tapped into a million voices in a million heads <laughs> going on right now, you know, and, and that's just so speaks to you, what you don't want to be known as, and that's the expert of self-sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got to that part, did you? <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. But I also feel that it, it's, I actually feel that it's maybe that, you know, that, that could be one way to view it, but maybe another way to view it is that you... Uh, the person that actually allows people to speak, to connect to that voice and be aware that it's there. Yeah. You know, I, I share in the book quite vulnerably that I fought this. I, I love the idea of Hilda and I use it in my coaching practice, but in my mind, I wanted desperately to keep this just a small little piece of thought leadership and not let it be a massive piece of thought leadership. Because as you said at the beginning, I'm the audacity coach. I'm not the Hilda coach. Audacity is positive. Hilda is negative, right? And so I railed against the idea of writing a book on Hilda, despite everybody in my inner circle and all of my clients and let's face it, everybody I ever talked to saying that this was the piece of information they resonated with the most. So at some point, my Hilda was taking me for a ride, trying desperately to keep me from doing this by convincing me that I couldn't. It is an almost universal experience to have a voice in your head critiquing you. And for some of us, it's really loud. For some of us, it's a little softer. For some of us, we are able to triumph past. And sometimes she sabotages us big time. But the fact that so many people experience this and nobody else is willing to kind of say, okay, look, you're not alone. Here are 
40 examples of how this shows up really was missing for me. And I didn't want to write another book with a wagging finger. You know how people, we've all read the self-help books that are wagging fingers telling us this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. This is the antithesis of that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I appreciate that you doing that for people and putting that out there and working past and through and with your own Hilda <laughs> uh, yes. to get there. Because yes. I, I, having you know, written my own book that I did, mm, I wrote a book last year that has never been released and probably never will be. A lot of it was that process of just working through my own stuff and talking to my own version of Hilda and just to say, you know what, like I'm doing this for me uh, and I'm not doing it for anyone else. So tell me, Jenny, what are... Uh, how, how can someone listening to this identify that there's a healer there? Like, how, how does someone get clear on when it's, you know, because fear, commonly what we hear in coaching circles and, you know, in Tony Robbins and these type of people that are out there is this message of, well, there's this thing that exists called fear, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's part of our animal instinct. It's, it's there to protect us, right? But what we don't hear so much about Certainly, it's, I'm talking about mainstream here, is we don't hear so much about the inner voice. Yeah. Unless you're in the sort of the, the spiritual circles um, and they talk about it quite a bit. But I, at least until you've, re- you've started talking about it, I really have, haven't heard anyone else talk about Hilda and brought it to the forefront. So when someone comes to you and says, Jenny, I've got this goal, like I want to you know, be the next Academy Award winner or just I want to be an amazing partner, right, or, or build a great successful business. But... I just don't know. Like, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. How do you help them or basically understand what's going on really? Right. So um, really amazing question. There's a lot of layers to to answer there. But briefly, you want to try to figure out what is going on in your head. 50%, and that's made up number. Yes, it's a made up number. But 50% of conquering Hilda is recognizing when she's talking. We are so used to the noise in our head living there because we're born with it. The noise in our head has been there since day one. But for so long, we assume that the noise in our head is true. I mean, why would our brain lie to us, right? The whole point of this ridiculous idea of Hilda is to decide there's a lot of lies and distortion going on in our brain. So I like to think of Hilda as a demented documentarian, okay? Go with me on this. She's collecting all kinds of motions and memories and snapshots of time from the time you're born until today. And she's collected and filed away every single one of them where you were hurt, embarrassed, felt defeated, felt self-conscious, when you decided not to start something or when you quit something after you had started it. Every time you have failed or experienced fear, she has cataloged that so that she can do a screening of this horrible documentary of hers to point that out the next time you want to do something that matters, the next time you're thinking about taking a risk, the next big idea that you have. Boop, there she is, right? And here comes Hilda with one of her messages. So the first thing I do with a client is try to figure out what the heck she's saying. Let's write it down. And typically, Hilda says one of four kinds of things. I mean, she says all kinds of nonsense, but they fit into these four categories or what I call BS beliefs. One is like you just spoke to, Anthony, is I can't. I can't. There's something wrong with me. I am incapable of. I feel defeated before we get started, where she's actually attacking you from the inside. And she's making you feel like there's something inadequate about you. Then there's, I shouldn't. Instead of working from the inside, she's coming in from the outside and she's getting you obsessed and worried about what other people are going to think. They're all going to laugh at you. You're going to embarrass yourself. You know, what will your mom think? Behave yourself, that kind of stuff. That's where she's making you worry about how you're going to be judged and perceived and accepted by others. Now, if those things don't work, she also has other things that are arsenal. She has, I don't know, another BS belief that drives me crazy. In the information age, there should no longer be such a thing as I don't know. But she convinces you that you don't know enough, that she'll get you second guessing and reeling before crossing the starting line of something. As soon as you have a big idea, she's going to say, 
wait, but what if, but what if, but what if until you have doubted yourself and you don't start because she's terrified of crossing the starting line. Whereas I don't want a Hilda. She can start stuff all day long. She's terrified of the finish line. So I don't want a Hilda. She gets all kinds of shifty. And she comes at you with shiny objects and distracts you and says, hey, there's a new television program on Netflix. Let's watch that instead of working toward your dream. So every time you're about to do something that really matters, that's when we experience fear, right? And when we're experiencing that fear, we want to dig into what our head is saying to us so we can change those thoughts to the truth. So we can attack those thoughts because they're attributed to a random person that I have named Hilda. That's so powerful. And I think there was something that you said in the book, which which I wanted to bring up, which is around you having this remarkable ability to self-sabotage or self-sabotage. Um, yes. <laughs> and something that certainly when I've worked with clients in, in the coaching space with myself, what I've come across is this scenario where we feel guilty for having worked out that there's a Hilda there. <laughs> you know, like we feel bad that we now know that something within ourselves is stopping us from taking action. Oh, yes. I mean, how many times have we heard in the coaching space, you know what, that was a negative thought. You need to think positively. Well, this is what Hilda does with that. Great. There's something wrong with me. You always have negative thoughts, you stupid, stupid person. You know what I mean? And then you're like, I call that self-sabbing, where you know you're sabotaging yourself. And now you're going to sabotage yourself some more. I talk about it's kind of like ordering pizza while watching The Biggest Loser on TV and wondering why my jeans don't fit. Hello. You know, it's it's knowingly self-sabotaging so you can feel even worse about it. Um, absolutely a problem. And again, something that I think most of us feel we are the only ones that do it. And nobody's really talking about it. Nobody's really talking about this self-sabotaging behavior because it's kind of embarrassing to admit. Do you agree? I definitely agree. I think that's coming back to the second BS um, belief around, you know, the I shouldn't and, and because the, the, there's a fear of judgment there. And that was going to be my next question was why don't we talk about Hilda more often? What's the worst thing that could happen if we entered those <laughs> conversations? Um, yes. You know, like do we look insane. Is that the problem? Well, you know, nobody wants to admit that they're a hot mess inside. And nobody wants to admit that there's this weird messaging going on in their brain. We've all been in these situations where you're having a conversation with a great friend, bearing your soul a little bit and actually telling this person, despite the fact that it's kind of scary to do so, this is how you feel about something, right? Sit with that for a second. Remember a moment where you've said, okay, you know what? I trust this person. I'm going to tell them how I feel. And then they immediately respond with, oh my God, you shouldn't feel that way. And you're not heard. They didn't really hear your thoughts. That's where that I shouldn't Hilda gets in, right? It's like, ah, I should just keep my mouth shut. Because if I actually admit that they're just going to put it down, nobody's actually going to hear me. And so that just really can manifest itself in so many ugly ways where you're afraid to admit what you're thinking and you're afraid to admit what you're feeling. And so you just keep stuffing it down. This is why I think that positive thinking stuff, it's lovely, but it's too superficial. It doesn't allow us to go deep enough. And I hope that this book is going to shake people by the shoulders. I've made it funny and ridiculous on purpose because now it gives us a language with which to deal with this stuff, right? Instead of saying, oh, I can't believe I had that thought, you can say, uh, Hilda's talking. <laughs> Let me tell you about this new Hildaism I just heard. And now we have a language and a way, a model to talk through these things and to make it not such a dirty little secret. And I love that you're, that's what you're doing. I think it's important to, you know, certainly raise awareness that Hilda exists, but then equip people with a toolkit. Okay, well, what do you do about it? I want to circle back to something you said at the beginning of this conversation around, people, you know, your clients started identifying the inner critic, the, the inner gremlin. Uh, and something you talk about in the book is why you've chosen to humanize 
Hilda, as opposed to simply, you know, create a monster or, or an animated character or something like that. Why, what was the, your reasoning or, or purpose for doing that? It's very, very intentional. Now, you can name your Hilda whatever you want. If Hilda doesn't do it for you, name her whatever you want. About half the people I've ever talked to talked to about Hilda have said, yeah, that name's perfect. And the other half have come up with something more creative. And I, I share some of those creative names in the book, actually. And sometimes if you're a man, it's a man's name, right? Herman is a very popular one. Um, but the reason to humanize it is because it's a human message, right? It's a human message. It's a human thought. If Hilda was a friend of yours, you would probably have a couple not so kind words to say when she said, who do you think you are? Right? You would have a response. You'd come up with a response or at least spend a heck of a lot less time with that human Hilda. <laughs> you would find, you would come up with a workaround. But because she lives in our brain, we assume those are our thoughts. And I want you to be able to differentiate between Hilda's nonsense and what your truth is. Not every thought is your truth. And so by humanizing her, you can detach from what this is. Having it be a monster or gremlin seems nice and cute, but it doesn't allow you to have that dialogue. And I think that's so super critical in understanding this because I remember a process that I went through many years ago in my NLP training where we were encouraged to basically connect to, you know, what I understand now as you're in a Hilda, um, but in, in a way that it would, you know, it could be a some kind of other figure. It could be a dragon or whatever it may be that was your biggest fear. And I like what you're saying about this because when you do something like that, you externalize them or you externalize that part of yourself and therefore you, you don't, you're not able to have the conversation that you need to have or engage with the Hilda the way you need to do it. Exactly. The other thing I want to emphasize here is the reason it's named Hilda, the reason it's a cartoon character looking person is because it's kind of funny. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice to laugh at yourself. As soon as I introduce you to Hilda, you're laughing a little bit. You're like, this is the most silly thing ever. And that's intentional because if you can laugh at yourself and you can laugh at these messages that Hilda's saying to you, then you can deal with them. Then you can do something about it. And let's face it, we take ourselves far too seriously as it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? I oh mean, come gosh. on, coaching is one of the most ridiculously serious things and it doesn't need to be this is really intended to create a little humor a little lightness a lot of self-deprecating humor in there about myself and about clients and it, it's it's intended to get you to shake yourself by the shoulders and say you know what enough with this happy nonsense I don't have to listen to this anymore and I certainly don't have to make the next decision or take the next action based on a bunch of crap that Hilda had to say about it wonderful so how do how do we shut Hilda the hell up all right so there are a gajillion different ways that you can go after this chick and this is a difficult question to answer because it depends on what your Hilda is saying and that's why I've taken the time to categorize the four different ways she tends to hit us but within each of those categories there are 10 different stories that I felt like best um, exemplified and demonstrated how I can't Hilda shows up right so there are a lot of different ways to go about it but here are a couple just to throw them out there one is straight up reflection, right? And doing some reflection exercises, you'll see those throughout the book. But the, my favorite one is to hit Hilda with a comeback. So this is what I would say to you. The next time you hear Hilda say something ridiculous, write it down on a post-it note. Take out the judgment. Don't beat yourself up for it. Just write down the message you heard. Write it in a complete sentence and stare at it for a minute. Now imagine... If a real human had said that to you, maybe your best friend, my best friend, his name is Matt. If Matt said that to me, what would I say to Matt? How would I respond to that? Not react to it emotionally, thoughtfully respond. Okay, write that down on a separate sticky note. Now compare the two. The next time you hear anything resembling that Hilda-ism, you have written down your comeback, 
right? And that comeback is what you're going to use to shut that down. If you would say it to your best friend, you sure as heck can say it to a fictional voice in your head. <laughs> I love that. There, there, there's. I was saying to someone recently, you know, if we could walk around and just see what we were saying to each other, ourselves in our heads, if we could actually imagine we, we lived in a world where all our healers were talking to each other. <laughs> and maybe that this hurts gives you... my soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we judge people, you know, we see someone talking on the street to themselves and we go, oh, that person's a bit crazy or something like that. And we cast judgment on people. And the reason I raised this or this conversation started was because we were talking about people who are suffering with mental health, right? Um, who are clinically diagnosed as depressed or you know, dealing with anxiety or whatever it may be. And I've got some really close friends who are going through that experience. And a lot of the time, it's them speaking with their inner healers. And it's, you know, the, the I guess the, the, what I've had to learn and, and to appreciate is that that's not necessarily them. I mean, it is, you know, the voice. But, sure. but let's not judge the person based on what they're saying or even some of their behaviors. Now, let's talk about, you know, you working with some of your clients. What are some of the results that you've helped your clients achieve by working through understanding and connecting to their healers better? As soon as you start connecting the dots between Hilda's happy nonsense and your behavior, everything changes. Because here's how this works. Hilda puts a nasty thought in your head. It makes you feel crummy and you behave accordingly. And if Hilda's done her job, that behavior is usually inaction, right? You didn't do anything or maybe even actively sabotage that effort. But if you can change the thought and say, wait, I disagree, Hilda. Let me hit you with a comeback. Let me tell you, show you evidence to the contrary of your BS that you're trying to spew at me. You feel different, don't you? You now feel empowered, maybe even a little brazen, maybe even a little badass. And then you act accordingly, right? You push through, you do something. And Hilda's pissed and in a corner and pouting. And that feels pretty good too. So the kinds of results I've seen in my clients are innumerous. I mean, it's unbelievable what people can do when they get out of their own way and they get out of their own head and they stop second guessing themselves to death. I mean, this is where clients decide, for example, one of my clients decided that she wanted to become a foster mother. Now, she is a single woman. And there were a whole lot of naysaying people in her life saying, gosh, foster parenting is only for people who are married, right? You can only do that. How could you do that to a kid who's already got troubles and bring them into a one-parent household? And you can imagine what her Hilda did with that. Her Hilda was like, ooh, let's archive that and repeat it on a loop and drive her crazy with this so that she doesn't do this miraculous thing that scares the crap out of Hilda. So eventually, Hilda hit her with everything she could. But no, Megan was like, no, this is happening. I want to be a foster parent because I know that I have enough love and enough resources in my life that could help another child. And that is more than enough. And she pushed through. And you'll see in the book a really great story where, where Megan is getting ready for that first home visit from the people who are going to tell her whether or not she can become a foster parent. And Hilda has her freak it out, has her worried about all kinds of stupid details because Hilda means well. Hilda means well, which I know sounds kind of crazy. She wants to keep you safe. She's got a really, really shitty way of going about it, but she wants to keep you safe. She wants to make sure you don't fail. Unfortunately, if you listen to her, you won't fail, but you won't succeed either. And so my clients recognize that that fear of failure isn't stronger than their will to succeed. I'm just breathing that in. I think that's really compelling. I think I love what you're saying about, yes, you'll be safe and you won't fail, but you also won't succeed. <laughs> I yeah. think, you know, uh, <clears throat> I always had this, I guess, it's this thing within me that, that questions this idea of this comfort zone. Why are so many of us, you know, maybe the question is not why, but how come we're at this place where it's, 
you know, okay, like we accept the status quo. We accept that it's cool to just sit down and chill out and, and spend the next 12 hours watching some, you know, TV show or something or sitcom, but then beat ourselves up because it's like, well, it's almost like my gripe really is around this whole idea of go study hard, get your degree, get a job, high paying job or whatever it is, a salary, spend the next 40 years working for that one company, which we know doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, and then uh, whilst that's happening, get married, have kids and some doggies and you're good, you know. And I, I've had conversations with people recently where, you know, I, I'm 37. I said, I'm going to move overseas. <laughs> uh, and, and people were challenging me on that and saying, like, why would you want to do that? Like, what's the point of you know, uprooting yourself. And I know you just moved from New York City across the, the, the country. So, you know, and it's like, it's, we're hearing enough of those voices outside of us. And I think to then have to battle the Hilda as well <laughs> is so draining. Well, and remember, Hilda doesn't just make this shit up. She's been collecting this information from what I call IRL uh, Hildas or in real life Hildas. Um, you know, uh, you go to the dinner table at the holidays and you may be surrounded by human Hildas. I know I am. Pass the potatoes and how's your love life? Never fun. Never fun. That's exactly true. I mean, it's exactly true. There are people, there are who are completely content. My dad was this guy, right? Completely content with living life by default. My dad's dream in life was to retire so he could get up in the morning and watch other people shovel out their driveways to go to work. Sick, sick dream, <laughs> right? Was that his dream though? Was that really his dream? That's all he would ever talk about. And it was kind of this tongue in cheek thing. But guess what? My dad died 18 months after he retired because then what did he have to live? You know, and some people are happy living by default. I, Godspeed, you go ahead with your badass self. But this book wasn't written for them. This book was for written, written for the rest of us, right? This idea of Hilda comes up when you're about to do something that matters. I don't hear Hilda when I'm going to the grocery store. I hear Hilda when I'm sitting on a train and thinking about my next big thing. Or I hear Hilda when I'm about to embark on a new fitness regime that I'm not sure I can pull off, right? I hear Hilda in those moments because for badasses, we're never happy with living by default. We want to know what's next. And I'm sure your Hilda is screaming at you with the idea of moving overseas. That's got to be just insane because it's uncomfortable. It, she wants to be comfortable. She wants you to be safe and she wants to eat her bonbons by <laughs> making sure that she can keep you as small as humanly possible. You go out changing the world, you're going to have to keep that shit up. I can't have that. I can't have that. Right? It, it wigs her out. It's so fascinating. Like, I, I, you know, what you're... It, I guess the observation I'm having as we're going through this conversation is that that voice, that my version of the Hilda, is manifesting in people around me. Right? Mm. So it, and what it looks like is the family member of my partner, for example, um, that I have no relationship with. I've never spoken, like we haven't really spoken, but just for whatever reason, they're saying stuff to her, which I think is related to me. And then I'm like, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, why am I having, like, why is this coming up for me? But it, it's an echo of the Hilda. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that person wants your partner to be safe. And that person means well. Right. Just like I said, Hilda means well and she's got a crummy way about going about it. People who do that, they mean well. You know, I've had family members and f close friends who think it's absolutely crazy that my wife and I decide to move every four to five years and not just like move, like relocate to a new city. We like to collect hometowns. That's what we say. Um, because I really enjoy that experience. Why vacation when you could go live someplace for four years? That's better. That's crazy to most people. That's not a lifestyle most people want. I don't necessarily believe it's a lifestyle most people need to want. It's the one I want. And I've battled Hilda for years on that because aren't you going to just settle down one day? Don't you ever want to own a house? Don't you ever want to ba 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 ba? Because those are the things that have been 
constantly berated in our brains. And we think this is what I should want. And when you don't, it, it questions it. And when somebody outside of you second guesses it, Hilda's going to take that for as far as she can until you shut her up. How do you know when it's something that you want versus something that someone else wants for you? I believe that everybody actually knows what they want if they give themselves the quiet time to sit with it. There's so much noise in this world and we are constantly filling any silence with more noise. If you can't quietly just sit with yourself and ask yourself, well, what do I want? Which you're a coach, Anthony. That's the hardest question we ask. What do you want? It's the hardest question to answer because we're so used to saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want. You know, ask somebody, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. I don't know. We're so, it's such a habit. But if you can find the quiet and stop asking 17 people for their advice and opinions and just listen in and say, okay, do I want to live overseas? What's in it for me to do that? What's calling me to do that? What, what is instigating that? And what would it look like? What would that dream look like? Paint that picture. You're going to know whether or not you actually want that. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think <laughs> my particular challenge has been uh, once arriving at that understanding to not then downplay it or to, mm. you know, seek other, like you say, I love what you said, don't go ask 17 other people because what happens is then you're talking yourself out of it <laughs> or you find yes. that, right? Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I talk about this story in the book, or you try to justify it and make it work. So for example, when Meredith and I, my wife and I decided to move to Los Angeles, uh, we lived in New York. That's pretty cliche, right? New York to LA. You would think we were entertainers. We're not. Um, but when we decided to do it, why we decided to do it, the truth was just because but that didn't feel like a good answer. <laughs> so when people would say, so why are you moving to Los Angeles? I'm like, oh, well, Meredith got this really great job offer. That wasn't true. Oh, well, you know, because we have allergies. No, that's not true either. We really love the beach. Okay, that's true, but that's not why. The reason was just because. And I kept trying desperately to find a socially acceptable reason, <laughs> a reason that you wanted to hear. Have you done that? still doing it <laughs> so the you know like i absolutely it, it's it's ridiculous the it's almost like i feel i'm some kind of puppy trying to perform for everybody and please them you know and it's like oh i'm gonna say this thing because because jenny thinks like that's the the right thing for me to say you know and therefore it makes her happy right and it's like well like what you've just said it's okay to have a just cause I was like, because I want to, <laughs> you know? because I want to, and I don't have to justify it or explain it to anybody. And that's going to make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. And deciding that it's okay that people are uncomfortable with it. And it's still what you want to do anyway is difficult, right? Because we're good people. We want everybody to be comfortable and we want everybody to support our choices. I get it. And then what happens is then you're, 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 I have a, your Hilda says, you're being really selfish. Or yes. someone else in your world goes, you're being really selfish. Why are you doing that? Right? And then, yeah, we go down that spiral again. Exactly. So, you know, if you can shut Hilda up long enough to say, you're right, I'm being selfish. And your point is, <laughs> then you're going to feel different. Because is it selfish to move to where you want to be? Yes, you're choosing what you want. Go ahead. That's something to celebrate. Um, that word selfish has become such a dirty word. By putting yourself first, why is that bad? That's what they tell you to do when you get on an airplane. It's what you should do. Be selfish. Own it. It doesn't mean you're taking something away from anybody else. And that's an important distinction. Like I think we do feel bad because we feel like it is a hurting others in some way. And I'm of the belief that you only have one life and I'm not going to go into where we have multiple lives and that kind of stuff but for me I feel like well, <laughs> what if this is it you're on this is your stage this is your show you're the director you're the producer you're also the actor and you know and this is it like once you get off the stage 
you're not going to jump into someone else's stage. They've got their own, that's what they're doing. That's their performance. So what, what are you doing with your life? And how long are you going to be listening to other people? And how long are you going to be listening to Hilda? So yes. I love it, Jenny. You are amazing. Let me ask you this one question. Sure. Because you have the ability to have that conversation with other people. And that's not an easy conversation for a, for a lot of, for many people, it's very uncomfortable to even go there, to even, you know, um, you call it the, the carphatic, carphatic shove, right? Where does that come from? Where did you develop that skill set? And, and how is it that you can drop down into that conversation with people and have them feel okay to have that conversation when sometimes they can't even have it with themselves? I know that real personal transformation comes from facing your shit and doing something about it in a nutshell. I am not afraid of somebody being angry with me or even not liking me. If it'll help them face themselves, look at their shit and do something about it. So a cathartic shove is a tongue in cheek way of pointing out my coaching style, which is not the gentle, sweet encouragement stuff that you typically get in the coaching industry. It is in your face, in your space. Let's look at this. I'm going to ask you a question. This is going to smart a little bit, (laughs) right? And the reason for that is because I want to accelerate how quickly you experience that personal transformation. I want to accelerate how quickly you get out of your own way. I want to shorten the amount of time that Hilda takes up in your brain. And I want to shorten the amount of time that Hilda dictates your behavior. And if I can do that as quickly as humanly possible without being politically correct. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) Right? Without that tap dancing around it and just asking you a question that hits you square in the eyes. Don't you deserve that? I, it's like being direct, but sensitive. I'm not a total bitch here. Um, it's not about being mean and it's not like a drill sergeant thing. The reason it's a cathartic shove is it feels good. It feels you get a catharsis at the end of it. It's when I push you out of your own way and you go, wait, I'm outside my comfort zone. And looky there, I can still stand up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right, that felt good. Let's do that shit again. That's the idea. Yeah, I kind of liken that to, I mean, you use a Tina Fey's quote in, in the book about standing at the top of the water slide and not overthinking it and just going down the chute. And I think we, a lot of times we stand on that precipice and we actually look out there um, and we just need, sometimes we just need that coach Jenny or that person to be that person for us. And you want to go down a slide. You know you want to. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, and then when your brother or sister or your coach pushes you down and you're like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much that you've done that because that's exactly what I needed. And I think the world would be much more a better place, at least in my eyes, if we just have much more quality conversations with each other and not tiptoeing around the matters you know, the things that don't really matter. It's like it's not about the dishes, right? Or that someone left the dishes in the sink. <laughs> it's never about the dishes. Uh, there's, there's, there's other stuff going on that you're not addressing. Jenny, how can people connect to Hilda, grab the book, and then learn, out, learn more about what you're doing and how you can potentially help them? Absolutely. Please check out hildathebook.com. That's where you can get all of the information. You can, if you want to give me your email address, you can download the handy dandy Hilda cheat sheet so that you can see who those four Hildas are, as well as join the movement. I am on a mission to instigate audacity in as many humans as possible, and then sit back and watch the world change. And if I can do that one Hilda at a time, that's what I want to do. So join the Stop Hilda movement. HildaTheBook.com. I'll throw that. Yep, I'm going to throw that in the uh, show notes for you guys, and definitely join the movement. I'm already in there. I'm excited to become more audacious with the help of Coach Jenny and her community. And it's an amazing group. I love it. I love everyone in there. And and this is the thing that differentiates this group from others that I that I'm part of is just how real people are, you know, and, and, and how it's just a wonderful space to be, be okay to share what Hilda's saying to you and not feel like you're being judged because of it. 
or that you're an idiot because you're, you're stating your truth. So thank you, Jenny, for creating that environment and that space and for doing what you do in the world. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about Hilda with your audience. It really is a pleasure. We're going to have to bring you out to Sydney one day and uh, Heck yeah. do another workshop together. A hundred percent. Yes. If you're still there. <laughs> uh, exactly. I might be in Vietnam. So, you know, hope you like you your, uh, your exotic fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. There you go. Okay, guys. Uh, transitionspodcast.com. Hit subscribe. Definitely check out Hilda, the book. I highly recommend you read that and give some feedback to Jenny as well on, on, on what you think of the book and, and what she's doing. We'll tune in next time. Thank you for tuning in, Warrior. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Coach Jenny all about the Hilda that's affecting us in our lives and up in our minds. So I highly recommend that you go and uh, grab a copy of her book, which is actually now on Kindle and on Amazon and available for you to buy. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes, which is www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash 014. And I'll say that again, www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash 014. So I quickly wanted to take this opportunity to share some exciting news and that's that we have just launched a new podcasting service. So if you're actually someone who's listening to this and you are looking to create your own and launch your own podcast soon uh, or if you already got your own podcast and you'd want some help to really put that on autopilot, we've just launched our new podcast service where we basically help you uh, put together your program and then launch it onto iTunes and get it up there and out there for more people to learn about your business and your brand and help you develop your influence. We also have a monthly service that basically we you hit record uh, and then you send us the audio file and then we take it from there and do everything for you. So it's a done for you put your podcast on autopilot. Uh, we take care of all the editing and all the you know tedious and boring stuff so you can focus on doing what you want to do, saving a whole ton of time and stress uh, and that's what we're able to do for your you and your business. So if you want to find out more about that, just head on over to www.simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast service. Okay, one more time, www.simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast service okay and that will be in the show notes for you as well so once again the link for all the resources that i've just mentioned uh, just head on over to our show notes which is www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash zero one four now if you really enjoyed this particular episode and you're getting getting great value from the podcast please go ahead and leave a review and a comment on itunes and also in stitcher so we can reach more people uh, and make more you know help more entrepreneurs and change makers and creatives to do more of what they love to do all right so thanks again for tuning in and as usual live confidently and passionately and we'll see you on the next episode 